0: And how long has, I know I've been involved with Go Dig a Hole for like two years. How long has this been? So. <laughs> I know that's a loaded question. But well,
1: no, it's it's just funny. I think, you know, we may as well talk about the history of Go Dig a Hole since we're on uh, version 9.0 now. Yeah, X. yeah. Uh, <laughs> X. Pro. 9.0 Pro X. Uh, so, like, the blog is back. and Yes, the, I'm excited about that. The blog started... Uh, while I was in grad school, uh,
0: it's been a hot minute.
1: It's been a hot minute.
0: (laughs) Or did you like
1: just
2: push that out of your memory? I have. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: so it would, it would have been, um, 2013, I believe, uh, like somewhere like early February, 2013. So we're, we're looking at uh, like almost seven years on the dot. Um, since the blog started and it was originally just a blog. Um and I was using it to kind of process and and work through some of the bigger questions I had about where I was in archaeology at the time. Um and I had I had spent like uh at that point like five years in CRM after undergrad and Mm Uh, I was still, you know, very much an early career archaeologist and, and like an early archaeologist uh, all around. And so like I had a lot to learn. And I also had like the I think the big thing that a lot of archaeologists in, in that position, you know, and kind of every position really is like, how do you navigate a career and how do you sustain a career in archaeology? And that's kind of a the perennial yeah. question for crm archaeologists but um it looks like more and more for academic archaeologists too is like
3: Mm -hmm. uh
1: precarity and you know job scarcity are are kind of these conditions that everybody lives with now and Mm -hmm. so i was using the blog to kind of like work through a lot of those questions and like bounce bounce ideas off of professors and peers of mine and and stuff like that people who you know had more experience that i trusted as kind of experts on the subject matter um And it was like kind of a a resource for other people in that, in that position. And so with time, the podcast kind of grew as an extension of that. And it was the, sometimes the, the podcast episodes were companions to these bigger blog pieces. Mm. Um, And so like the, it was like a long form blog post uh, with, you know, maybe like a, a 30, 45 minute podcast that was kind of basically the same thing, but you know, just a live discussion of it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And so, um, that started in, uh, like late 2015, Mm. I think the podcast Mm -hmm. and, um, it, it, uh, my partner at the time was an archeologist as well. and, And she had just finished her undergrad and we were, we were working in CRM together and we were shovel bumming around and, um, So we had, you know, we we were in slightly different positions in in our careers in archaeology, but we had similar questions and similar things to consider. And so, you know, it it was kind of the approach to the podcast was very much like focused at People coming out of undergrad or grad school or early in their CRM career in a position where you're kind of always at a crossroads where you like everything's always up in the air. You've got all these decisions to make and like, you know, kind of like the world is your oyster, but good luck scratching your path to it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, uh you know, and like, I am in a very different position now than, mm-hmm. than I was like, I've got more experience under my belt. And I'm in a very different position where, you know, I'm, I'm not really affected by seasonality. Um, and like my job role and my duties are very different. Like I'm, I'm an office principal now. And so like, I'm behind the desk a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, And, um, so like the fieldwork aspect is, is like, um, you know, fieldwork is fieldwork. It, it doesn't really change that much. So you know, even though I'm a little rusty at it, like I still, (laughs) you know, know what's up, but, uh, you know, the, the things that I'm personally exploring are very different. It's like, you know, how, how do I keep other people employed? How do I grow a business? How do I, how do I, you know, how do I make a CRM office that is the, the kind of, place that other archaeologists want to work at and that other clients want to work with. Yeah. You know, and and the, the public can look at and say like, you know, these people are doing right by us and, you know, tribes in the area too. Mm-hmm. You know how to be a good citizen in the archaeology community here. So it's like different questions where I'm at now, different decisions and and roads that I have to make, but um not super different than than where we started off at, you know, many years ago.
3: Yeah.
1: Um So that's kind of like the history of go dig a hole in a nutshell. You know, it started, the podcast started with, uh, you know, my partner at the time and then, uh, briefly had another co-host, uh, Katie Miller, who was also an undergrad. Um, she was only on for like one or two episodes. Um, Mm. and then she ended up going off to be a a flight attendant, just decided, you know, archeology span isn't the thing that she wanted to do. And that's totally fair. You know, that's.
3: Yeah. it's a
0: I, lot different than most of us generally expect i think yeah and then you get this like oh shit moment of <laughs> can i do this do, do I, I want wanna to do, do
1: this? this yeah like should i do yeah. this it's a
2: very fight or flight and she flew
1: yeah so and i respect that <laughs> yeah you know, totally I, I, there have been many times when i've flown too you know I, mm-hmm. it, my path through archaeology has been circuitous and with fits and starts and there was a period of several years where um You know, I was just working as a bartender um, and I wanted nothing to do with field work anymore because I was making more money and it was steady work. Yeah. Um, And, you know, then I I was tangentially related to archaeology while I was working with Codify, um, where it was like all of our clients were archaeologists, but I was doing database and software stuff. Um, So it was all very different. And, you know, now I'm back in CRM again and. Yep back in it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's the the career circuitous career path i think is a hallmark of the life of an archaeologist yeah a lot of people end up coming back (coughs) around but i think pretty much everyone steps away for a minute just because especially if you do crm for a while it it's easy to burn out yeah just straight up living out of a hotel room no matter how much camaraderie there is it's kind of a lonely lonely lifestyle and it can be very wearing yeah emotionally because you know even if you become close with a handful of people that you work with on and off you never know when you're gonna see them again yeah if Mm -hmm. you're gonna see them again how long the current project will last, depending on what you do or do not find, and whether the project is canceled, Yeah, um, which has happened because we were finding too many things, and they're like, oh, okay, we're just going to stop now. Yeah, we didn't budget for this.
1: (laughs) Change orders. (laughs) Everybody's off work until we sort this change order out. Yes. So
0: it's um, always interesting uh, to see how that people deal with it or don't deal with it um having a safety net and family and friends that can help support you yeah um is definitely key to being able to to make it through there's no way i would have been able to without support from um both emotional um as well as like logistical support being a single parent for a long time do- doing field teching like yeah there was a lot of logistical friends and family that it's kind of like, all right, how are we going to make this happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, And a lot of the CRM companies that I worked for, which were <coughs> about an average between two and five on and off that I would work for, um, were usually very, very good about being like, okay, you have this distance as your limit and for this amount of time is your limit. Yeah. Um, but the downside is I've never had a, been on a project long enough to be able to collect unemployment
3: mm.
2: yes so i guess maybe that's something i don't i don't want to say i don't understand i've never experienced of like being a field tech and then claiming unemployment how long do you need to be on a project to technically because if you're an hourly mm-hmm. employee do you not get to collect unemployment it depends on the state okay yeah. in oregon um,
0: it is, I don't remember what the number of hours is. I want to say like eight weeks plus Okay. constant, like you have to be in everyday sort of thing or, yeah. you know, so if I'm working a collection of a 24 hours to eight day stretches, um, or sessions here and there, um, it doesn't. I'm not considered, uh, cause I'm not working in constant hours. Okay. Cause
1: yeah. there's breaks in between your sessions. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's not a single project. I mean, <clears throat> I may be hired for a year, a contract with a, an employer, but I'm not considered like fully employed from the unemployment agency or the, sorry, the employment services agency of the state to say that Yes, you because with Oregon, you are uh, the unemployment is 80% usually. Um, or last I remember, this was it's been a while since I've claimed unemployment, obviously, but it was 80% of your average income for the previous it was like eight weeks for the third and fourth month ago. Yeah, so it's a weird calculation, and especially (laughs) with seasonal work, like you have to be solidly employed from like may june july in order to be able to make a claim during the winter okay so and people strategize for it and most firms will budget for that they pay into unemployment and um, unemployment pretty heavily yeah because people claim a lot of it
3: mm-hmm.
0: so but yeah i know a lot of people that do you have to be in or- oregon you have to be in the state to claim it so like you
2: can't just go travel yeah (laughs) could the firm be based out of oregon and your paycheck's coming basically through that firm that's based in oregon but your let's say your project's in idaho yeah but you can okay it just wanted to make that connection as well because i i did a project and once and my paycheck was coming out of oregon but the project was in alabama and i had Mm. to pay taxes in alabama yeah. like 19 dollars <laughs> or something i was like what i was there for like a week yeah yeah and so just
0: state laws are yeah. all over the place when yeah. it comes to like taxes and unemployment and okay. it's mind-boggling i think it's I
1: incredibly know. frustrating especially yeah. if you're working with a crm firm that doesn't have an in-house hr staff mm-hmm. um Cause then you kind of have to like <laughs> figure it out yourself yeah. or, you know, like a lot of times your supervisor probably knows just as much as you do and is going to have to Google it just like you will. Yeah. Um, and sometimes like HR staff, you know, not all HR staffs are created the same. equal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, some of them are a little, you know, more, uh, geared towards what you're going through than others but yeah yeah, it's just so frustrating to deal with and that's one of those things it's like you kind of got to sort it out before you really get to it yeah in order to be able to make anything out of it Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like being able to plan for unemployment um before you reach the end of the project and there's like kirsten said it's state by state Um, but there's also some kind of, uh, stipulation on how your project ends too. So it's like, um, I can't remember what it is. I'm, I'm not an expert on this subject at all, but it's like, you have to either be fired or laid off. And it's like, depending on how the project ends means you may or may not qualify for it. So if you voluntarily
0: leave, like, which is basically the situation I was always in. Yeah. I can't claim. Just, it, I mean, it basically fits under the um, the organ <laughs> unemployment stipulations of if you quit versus if you're fired or laid off. It's the same <clears throat> thing, which archaeology is so wonky in yeah. that it doesn't fall into regular categories like that. And so it ends up being really awkward. Yeah. Um, how many uh, W 2s? What's the most W 2s that you've ever had to file? <laughs> That's oh, my... man. <laughs> that's that's my question for anyone working in crm who reads this like or reads this i think mine was to this i'm all over the place three
1: w2s and um i was a 1099 contractor so i was freelancing Mm. um for another three or four things so i had like seven total like income sources that year yeah um I really wish I had hired an accountant that year. Um, yeah. uh, I sorted it out in TurboTax, but it was like it just incredibly complicated and it, yeah. I should not have done that myself
2: um it, it pays yeah. to pay someone just really for that does. like a <laughs> little bit or like just take it
0: if we just... made enough to like really make sense of that that would be great yeah because that's the struggle that i've been having as well so the the most i ever had was two 10.99s and seven w2s oh
1: oh <laughs> Oh, but you I'm know just what? just going to bow
2: out. You <laughs>
3: win. That's that's, like, that's, that's
1: like the, that's the, the, um, the admin side of yeah. like keeping an open relationship with multiple CRM firms and yep. multiple companies. And that's kind of what you have to do to be able to stay afloat, afloat financially and just like active enough to, you know, like keep an income stream going and keep, you know, your resume building to mm-hmm. a certain extent is, um, you know, like if you have a, a project with one company, um, that's you know, depending awesome. on your role, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome for however long that project lasts, but exactly. while you're on that project, you need to be looking for your next project.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and you know, kind of leaving voluntarily too, is one of those things that it's like, um, you know, just, It requires a lot of organization, requires a lot of uh, very clear communication Mm -hmm. um, and managing expectations of the people who hired you.
0: Yeah, for the next project. Yeah. And there's been a couple of times that I've seen or sort of been a part of I wasn't able to take the next project, but some firms obviously not all because not all of them get along, but those <laughs> firms that get along will share texts yeah. and they'll pass off their recommended. I, we have a big project. We're finishing up. I'm going to send you 20 texts because you have this giant project coming up that I would recommend yeah. like, and those are like godsend situations. Doesn't happen super often, but I've seen it happen a few times yeah. uh, on really big projects with some of the smaller firms and stuff. And, with bigger firms and like the cross-pollination that happens with such a small field. Yeah. Um,
1: it's it's really funny too to like you end up um like when you have that kind of a relationship with with CRM archaeology where you're bouncing from project to project in different companies mm-hmm. you start to track people rather than companies. yeah. And you start to learn who you want to work with yep. and the kinds of teams that you want to work with. And that goes all the way to the top, I think, because a lot of times you'll have senior archaeologists, office principals, and you know even uh, company officers who have also done that. They've bounced mm-hmm. around. Uh, they've maybe been poached from one firm to another or or, you know, they just keep that steady line of communication going in the back channel and, um, you know, they end up finding the opportunity that works best for them. And yeah. so you know, that's kind of the thing that I think everybody in CRM is is like scheming on is is like how to build their team awesome for the opportunities they have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've had that conversation. I'm always scheming my yeah. team awesome. <laughs> um, but it, it's... Uh, it's one of those things that's just really funny to to like think of working with the person and not the company. Yeah. Um, and so like that's been the case for me, especially here in Oregon where um, you know, there are a lot of seasonal techs and there's there's a lot of kind of project by project uh things going on. And so it's like uh people who have a lot more experience with, you know, the the field of techs out there, uh, you know, archaeology field technicians, they're there's like this long roster of like, oh, you definitely want to work with this person. So like when yeah. a project comes online, I'll have people from other companies like talking to me like, hey, I have a project that's winding down. Do you have any work for this person? They're really great. Keep them employed.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And so, you know, that's kind of like, it's really hard to get to that position. I think when you're first starting out as an archaeologist is like, how do you, how do you get yourself into a position where people are looking out for you and supporting you and like giving you opportunities? That's kind of, yeah, that's the biggest mountain to climb when you're first starting off.
0: And it's I, I totally got lucky getting my first CRM job. It was magical randomness. <laughs> so um, just a brief background of that situation and how that unfolded. So I was supposed to start grad school. I would gotten into the uh, human osteology program at University of Edinburgh. Um, I had everything <laughs> set up. And right before, about three weeks before we were supposed to leave, I got notification that my daughter's visa was denied and that I would need to apply for an appeal if I disagreed with their assessment. Oh, my God. And the whole thing fell apart, basically. And I went to, oh, fuck, moment. (laughs) Like, this all transpired in 24 hours so this, this whole story transpired in 24 hours. So um, I'd gotten the emails on the way back from Burning Man in 2012. Oh, geez. Um, and then got back to my partner's apartment, took a shower, went to bed, woke up the next morning. I think we slept for like four hours and then came to Portland because um, we had friends up here. And uh, I sent out an email blast before we left Medford to people that I was in field school with the year before. Like, (laughs) I was fresh. (laughs) And one person is like, I had to uh, leave this project so I know they need to replace me for this company up here in Portland. Tell them, you know, that I referred you like and you know they should be able to take you yeah so i sent the email we got up to portland um and i got the let's see i got an email back saying uh sure just stop by the office so in I, granted, I'd changed my clothes and taken a shower, but I still had blue and purple yarn braids <laughs> <laughs> down past my ass, walking into the CRM firm, full burner. Like, go me. Um, got some, in you know, archaeology. Luckily, is
1: <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: not a super conservative field. Um, at least in Portland, anyway, and walked in. Met a couple people. Uh, they put me on the list because they had actually already filled that one spot. Um, but I got they hired me in, and I was in the field within three weeks. Oh wow, that's awesome. Um, I stayed with that company through the season, and in December they referred me to another company. So I was able to stay employed through my first winter. And I didn't realize at the time how lucky that was. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I was very, very lucky in that. But a lot of that had to do with I was willing to make sacrifices coming straight out of school, basically. Yeah, um, I was still technically living in Medford. And at the time, the rental market in Portland was ridiculous. So I drove up here, crashed on a friend's couch, and then drove home on the weekends between the eight day it was like eight on four off um and was able to sort of squeak out you know savings from that but it took me almost three months to get find a place so it was a long fun commute for for that longs but i wouldn't I would not take that kind of job now, but right. fresh out of school. I'm like, cause they're like, it's a local job. We're just looking for people that are living here. It's a small little thing. And I'm like, I'll take it. That's fine. Yeah, I, I got friends. I can stay with. So yeah, I don't know. That was a bit of a tangent, but, um,
1: that's what the show's all about. Yeah. <laughs> we like tangents. <laughs> Do you remember what happened on the last episode? It was 100% tangent.
2: Yes. Well, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: That was totally
2: relevant. Oh, man. Oh. No. Do you guys have any startup stories? I feel I'm kind of on the same page. <clears throat> I was very lucky for me getting my foot in the door because I made... Again, I thought my field school TA hated me, but, um, I guess I made an impression and I still had a year of school left and she just stayed in contact with me. Uh And when I graduated, I got in contact with her again and was like, Hey, I'm graduating. I want to live in the Seattle area Mm -hmm. because I'm from up there and I want to stay close to family. But she was like, well, we might have a position at our firm in Portland. Yeah. So I was finally like, all right, pack my station wagon. But I was like, oh, hey, I'm going to Europe for a month. (laughs) So um, I got really lucky. She was like, yeah, we'll schedule an interview for when you get back. Well, it was like the day after I got back Mm -hmm. from Europe. But I flew into Seattle. So I had my brother basically pick me up, drove me to Portland. I was jet lagged. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) Interviewed. Apparently I said stuff and they're like, all right, you're fine. And...
3: (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't remember what
2: I got asked. Mostly. Like, they actually, I didn't know much about Section 106 or, uh-huh. like, why projects came to be. Or I had never dug a hole at that point. I'm like, I can walk. I can do things. I know how to read a compass. And they're like, all right, well, you're going to have to dig holes eventually. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but sure. Like, <laughs> I felt very ill-equipped, but um, I was, like, willing to learn anything. I, w- I didn't come in at it like I know everything. Yeah. Like, I was at least moldable. For what they needed. Which is
0: very important. Yes. Yeah. Is even, I'd say, up to two years into your, or maybe even three or more, depending on how regional that you stay with your focus and stuff, like always be open to learning new things. And one of the most important things, not to. No, you're. But into your. No, story. this is an important lesson. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Um, is being able to change how you work based on the needs of the people you're working for yeah that is a really big big thing like it is a really big mistake because you will never be hired back if you're like well that's the way you guys analyze flakes (laughs) but i'm gonna do it my way that i was taught because those people Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I <laughs> – so I didn't even do archaeology the very first year I was there. I think I did one project, mm-hmm. and then they hired me on actually salaried, which is oh, wow. that's where they got me because they worked us, like, 50-plus hours, and they Ooh. didn't have to pay us overtime. Yeah. So learn that lesson. Just don't do read, it. Read your contract. Yeah, read your contract, negotiate. Um, But the first time I went out, it was, like, in Indiana. So I Hello. wasn't even in the Northwest, and they did – tertiary primary um secondary flakes and i came from learning andreski's methods so i'm like oh there's a platform and all these (laughs) things are like that's not how we do it and i was like okay (laughs) well how do you do it like instead of like well this is how we do it out west or how certain people Yeah. yeah they're like no and i'm like okay fine if that's not what you need i'll try my best but i don't know what this means yeah for so just asking questions so, but yeah, I got lucky on that and that it was a large enough firm that you could kind of carve out a space, even if it there weren't any archaeology work going on. Kinda, That's really cool. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> That's my story. Look, there's cats on my phone now. <laughs> I saw that. They're cute. That's
1: cool. Mercats.
2: They're cats. Yeah. <laughs> One cat fishing for mercats.
1: Yeah. I feel like I've told my, my origin story before on the podcast,
3: probably, Pro- probably I at least know.
1: once. I don't, I don't I know. Remember I really looked out too, though. I, I was, well, kind of, kind of looked out, kind of didn't. Um, I got out of undergrad in 2008 or 2009. Um, it was like winter graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so i stuck around uh in boone north carolina i was at appalachian state and i worked as a barista and um there just weren't any crm jobs there um and so uh i was I was waiting for my brother to finish up his year of school. And then we were going to move to Oregon and my parents lived in Oregon at the time. And so I was job hunting in Oregon and uh, a professor of, of mine, uh, Dr. Gwen Robin Shug, uh, who's also a listener of the podcast, shout out to to Gwen. (laughs)
3: Um,
1: She was a huge mentor of mine uh, early on and, and I had gotten rejected from like almost a dozen grad schools Oof. And I, yeah, I was That's like, rough. man, I'm not going to go to grad school. I'm too dumb for this. Um, no, it, I, I just wasn't a it's good all numbers game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't very focused as an undergrad and I, I came to archaeology late in the game. So my, my transcript um, did not demonstrate that I was uh, hmm. dedicated to archaeology. And that we was one it. of the rejection letters I got was uh, we question your commitment to the field of archaeology. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I was just like gutted when I got that letter. I was oh, like, man, man, that sucks. Because how do you how do you uh, if you if nobody's giving you opportunities, how do you demonstrate otherwise? Right? Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, because like switching gears to a different <laughs> ma- major into grad school is insane. Right. I mean, I'm not quite to that extent, <clears throat> but my minor is like a far cry from any experience that I'd had before and they're like, yeah, sure. We'll let you run this million dollar equipment. That's cool. You haven't had chemistry since high school. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah, We'll teach you what you need to know. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I got this. A lot of, lot of self-teaching. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, that sucks that that was the letter. Like someone's not very enlightened and I'm glad you didn't end up going there anyway. Yeah. So I didn't
1: have CRM. Uh, really panning out for me. Uh, and plus it was at like the deepest depths of the recession. So like, yeah. n- there weren't really jobs um, anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. And uh, I also didn't have grad school going for me. So um, mm-hmm. I was kind of at this crossroads at, at that point where I was like, if I'm going to do archaeology, how do I do archaeology? Mm-hmm. And uh, the field school that I had been um, going to in undergrad. I went my first year to satisfy the credits for the program I was in. Uh, but they invited me back as a supervisor a second year. And then the third year they invited me back as the, the survey director. Nice. And so, um, yeah, Gwen, uh, Dr. Gwen Robin Shug, uh, you know, said, you know, Hey, I, I know this is like a significant out of pocket expense for, you know, a broke recent anthropology grad, but, uh, <laughs> this looks like your best opportunity to build your resume. So, um, that ended up panning out for me. And I went uh, down to Belize for that third year. And I was, uh, you know, running surveys all over the place. And this one night I was in a bar and, um, there weren't a whole lot of Americans there who weren't part of our field school. So they stuck out like sore thumbs. And so, uh, you know, there, there was a guy at the bar and we ended up talking, hit it off real well. We're talking about like how much we love metal music and stuff like that. And then I start lamenting the fact that I don't have a job to go home to. And I had just moved cross country to, from North Carolina to Oregon. Hmm. And <clears throat> I had been putting in job applications back in Oregon. And, uh, this one, uh, even at coffee shops, cause I had, a, enough experience as a barista that i could just you know hopefully slot right into a coffee shop somewhere and this one coffee shop said oh yeah we have a an anthropology phd working for oh, us so shit. maybe you want to move back east oh my
0: god damn yeah
1: so once again gutted and uh <laughs> welcome to portland <laughs> so back to belize you know i'm in this bar and i'm you know lamenting that you know i'm just have no prospects going for me. Uh, and so he goes, well, if you want a job, when you get back to the States, you know, give me a call. And so he hands me his business card and I see that he's the vice president of a CRM firm. And I'm like, what? (laughs) We're, we're many drinks deep. Um, can, can we talk about this? You know, when, you know, we're not drinking, uh, which was a a great call. Um, don't, don't talk business when, when you're drinking. So, uh, he, he invited me to the hotel that him and his family were staying at. And, uh-huh. um, we, we had dinner the next day, um, and, and talked over the, the opportunity. And he said, yeah, I've got a, a full-time gig at salary with benefits. Um, but it's in Kentucky. It's <laughs> yours, but you got to move to
3: Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: And, uh, I was like, I don't have anything going for me. I don't yeah. know anybody in Kentucky. I, you know i just do it. Is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you said earlier, Kirsten, it's, uh, you know, you, you gotta be, you, you gotta take some sacrifices. And, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, Katie, you gotta be willing to learn. You gotta be able to, to like be flexible, adaptive and take some risks. And, uh, that ended up paying out.
3: Nice.
1: Um, it was a, a great job. Um, and him, uh, Jim Pritchard and his wife, Christy, uh, ended up being great bosses and friends and mentors. Uh, and we stay in contact, you know, now you know over a decade later and um uh so that was just kind of like I lucked out but it was like I lucked out uh despite you know constantly getting gutted <laughs> constantly facing rejection so I guess that's that's kind of the thing that I I would recommend to anybody who's in that position where like you're you're going to face a ton of rejection especially yeah. early on mm-hmm. things are going to be super rocky and it's just like it sucks, you know, and it's a real bummer and you're going to have some bad days and you're going to question yourself, uh, but just stick with it, you know, and, and like yeah. find the people who are there to support you and, and the people who can, you know, kind of get your back. And then, you know, before you know it, you'll be looking back, you know, 11, 12 years later and you see that like, there's a lot of people that have your back and a lot of people had your back along the way. Yeah. Um, so For yeah, sure. just kind of keep sticking with it and, and find your allies and just stick close mm-hmm. with them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's a great great point. Yeah. Yeah, I cried in a field once by myself while surfing. <laughs> it <was> so bad. <laughs> so yeah, there's gonna be some really bad days. But yeah. and also it's a numbers game, like I'm hearing everyone saying. It's <clears throat> just like you just have to keep trying and I feel like mm-hmm. like where we're now we are now, people don't always see Kind of what was going on behind of like all the struggles and all Mm -hmm. the no's, or when people are like, Oh, you're so lucky. It's like, Well, I got rejected from like 12 grad schools, or you know, I didn't get in my first time around and waited another four or five years and then tried again. It's just like, you just gotta, if this is what you want, you gotta kind of
0: keep pushing for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's never linear. No, there's no archaeology ladder. Despite what anyone might say. Yeah. Maybe there was 30 years ago, mm-hmm. yeah. but that's not a thing anymore, even for academics. Like,
3: <laughs> you're like no.
2: long flumes. You'll like yes. go down really fast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's the best analogy for it. <laughs> <the long laughs> th-
2: you <Yeah. laughs> gotta record that. That's historic. Yep. No. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a, a really great book, actually, if you're feeling discouraged or curious about people's... Um, Journeys through archaeology um, and what that might look like. Um, Anne Marie Prentice has a really fabulous book she published uh, several years ago. She's at University of Montana. I want to say
2: Montana State. I'm not sure which one. on the Montanas. Montana. She's I'll look in Montana. That up while you continue. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's correct no, to that. <laughs> this is a good conversation. Why do we have to bring Google into this? <laughs> Um,
0: But it's a book called Field Seasons, and um, it talks about her journey through, like, from graduation to being a professor. And that circuitous, long, all over the country, through different types of, like, academic and CRM and non-archaeology and back to archaeology, like, all, all of those... Um, Trials and tribulations that we all go through That, like you guys were saying People don't see Once you get to a certain position They're like, oh, you're so lucky I wish I was there And you're like, yeah "Yeah." (laughs) It's
2: been fun I I was there Yeah,
0: (laughs) But I definitely would not wish Some of the tribulations That I've had to go through on others So I do feel that As a field We can improve that um, at least a bit. I mean, with a small field, there's only so much you can do. But, like, you know, there's – what's the, the big thing that's all over Facebook right now? The um, RA, RPA, releasing a registered archaeologist for oh. uh, bachelor's degrees, <clears throat> like techs. Oh. So it's an annual fee of more than the RPA. What? It's $99 a year. It's $35 to apply. And it has like the, the the rollout that they put out was like, and these are the qualifications that you have to meet to get this. But it doesn't outline benefits of having that. Right. Like, I mean, you can sort of assume or, or like <laughs> guess at what, you know, it could be. But without and this is where I am so for archaeology being better regulated. Yeah. But the RPA has been so cold footed about it since its inception. And this is a really big extension of that really lack of commitment to the idea. Um, And I'm. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that they decided that they needed to do something and they are the people to do it because they are. But that's not it. (laughs) They missed the mark quite a bit.
2: How did they get to that conclusion? Who was consulted? or Who did they talk
1: to? It's missing the other part, though, which is like Mm buy-in on the part of... uh, So like it's it's missing buy-in from crm companies. Yeah. So like if if i have a master's degree and i you know my incentive to register and maintain my membership for rpa should be it makes me more competitive, right? Yeah. And so therefore crm companies should have some buy-in to say like well if you have an rpa then then we'll hire you. If you have a master's and you don't have an rpa then you know, Maybe your resume goes a little further down in the stack. Um, but you, the, the other missing part to the buy-in is clients have to understand what RPA is and does, and yeah. they have to demand that their contractors, their consultants that they're hiring um, to do archaeology projects, have a staff of RPAs or RAs now yeah, and that there's a, a professional minimum standard that they reach. And you have that in other industries like, um, you know, engineering firms, you know, the, uh, they have various, you know, professional standards that they all have to meet.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think it's well-intentioned. I think that it has a lot of opportunity, but really the part that's missing there is, is the buy-in. So it's yeah. like, it's not really providing that incentive for, um, you know, people, people with bachelor's degrees and people with masters and and PhDs to, you know, Mm. remain and listen. And I have an RPA, but it's like, I have mixed feelings about, I I don't want to trash on them, but I I want, I, like you said, like I'm all for, um, you know, increasing the level of professionalism in the field and providing like, uh, um, a standardized baseline for Mm -hmm. all of us to, to meet. And also, you know, there's there, it feeds into other, uh, aspects of, uh, professional societies and memberships where, you know, maybe if it could have some teeth to it, then we could, you know, actually oust abusers in our field and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like make it Mm -hmm. a safer and more inclusive place for us to work and like provide just minimum standards for inclusion and accessibility. Um, But, you know, that's I I think that that's a long time coming.
0: Yeah, I I do see definitely the potential for that, though. I mean, other fields and professions that have something comparable. I mean, before I got into archaeology, I sold real estate before the bubble burst. And that is a spendy like is about at the time it was about two thousand dollars to be licensed yeah um and with that is like the membership or whatever Mm -hmm. for the includes both the state licensure for um at least oregon and that varies across the country like anything else but then um you also had the national like register sort Mm -hmm. of thing so um i think you know and then nurses and doctors and lawyers and engineers and i like keep there's yeah it should This should not be a difficult argument to make, I think, for us to be, feel like professionals. Like, it is a a profession. Like,
1: we're such a... a, And the stakes are high, too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's the thing. Like, well, actually, when you do your job, sometimes you get fired and you're like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Hold up. Yeah. Yeah. You hired me to get you through this and now you don't (laughs) want me to get you through it. Yeah. Okay. All right. But we're such a young profession. I think, yeah, you know, like what the seventies really are when CRM really kind of got its legs, and so I think we keep forgetting we're gonna we're going through a growing pain right now. I think we still have nothing against the old guard, but I think we still have remnants of that, and so it, yeah, clinging to something that it's like I don't know what we're clinging to, but we have a lot of new people coming in, and so they're still under that umbrella. Yeah trying to move through that that's a good
1: point with the the age of of crm as an industry still being quite young where you have the initial founders of crm firms are still Still in place as (laughs) the you know presidents and ceos of of these crm companies and so you know you haven't had enough turnover and and you know kind of passing down of of you know or I guess like change management through these firms to have like institutional knowledge, but also like enough adaptability to like catch up to what's going on now. Because like, you know, kind of like, maybe it's just like my own perspective in terms of like the, the point in time where I entered CRM, you know, being at, at the, you know, the depths of the last recession, I think that everything after two thousand eight or two thousand nine, basically the after Obama signed the ARRA Act, the American Reinvestment and Recovery Act, everything after that was a different CRM than the CRM before that. Um, And you had, um, you know, I I guess to kind of like unpack that history is is on the federal side, you had, uh, you know, a lot of layoffs and job cuts. And so you lost a lot of institutional knowledge there on the federal side Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, on Department of Defense especially. So CRM companies then working with feds and and the military were working with people who didn't have a familiarity with how to work with with archaeologists and what the regulations were and what the timelines and expectations were. And so there was there's even still, you know, we're we're, you know. A decade past that, there's still a lot of of teaching that to people, yeah. And in the private sector too, you had, you know, just these massive cuts to like construction, real estate, land development, um, you know, the kinds of of industries that CRM is a support industry for, yeah. Um, you know, you had this massive loss of institutional knowledge, and like in CRM, you know, a lot of people have been complaining about the brain drain of you know, like, where are all of the the senior staff who used to know this? And it's like, well, they, they've either retired, gotten laid off, or changed industries, and... Um, Weren't
0: know. able to pass that knowledge on. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things now where... Uh, anthropology departments are facing budget cuts in universities and, you know, depending on what part of the country you're in, maybe there's not enough money for, um, infrastructure spending. And so you don't have Mm. a lot of like, you know, CRM tied to land development and infrastructure kind of projects there. Um, and so it's kind of this, this weird cycle Mm. that ends up repeating itself where, um, I don't really know where I'm getting at with that. <laughs> it's just kind of like it. it's a, oh, where I was getting at is, is like, it's a different kind of CRM yeah. than the CRM of, of the, the 70s and 80s and even 90s.
2: Oh, yeah. And I think they were still trying to <clears throat> figure out, navigate their way through um, early Section 106 and HPA. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, wait, what do we do? There's this one paragraph that's triggering the cultural work. How do we work with... Within that framework, like mm-hmm. from working at an agency, we're still learning that and still trying to yeah. be Section One Hundred Six practitioners, but then also passing that knowledge on to engineers yeah. and to other project yeah. managers of like you need to include us because yep. we have to help you navigate through this. It's not a checkbox. We need to help you kind of yeah get through that.
3: Yeah, so and
0: that's part of the challenge. Is like especially with. In this administration, a lot of the changes and juggling of
3: everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's it, people are like, okay, wait, we were just figuring this out and you're changing it again. Uh-huh. Like, why is this happening? Um, so there's a lot of last minute hires, and I think there's a lot of money being dumped into like, oh shit moments, um, realizing that there's something that they still need to do that they thought they didn't have to do or like not realizing that it needed to be done. Also a whole other level is tribes have been a lot more involved in the last what, 10, 15 years than they had been from the nineties and before. Yeah. Um, a combination of um, restoration work that the tribes have been doing to where they're really starting to get on their feet and um, be able to uh, wield uh, the uh, institutional power that the law says they have and agencies and everyone else getting used to that Yeah. and being like, Oh, 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 it does say that we have to do. Okay. Well, how do we do that? You know, yeah. like there's a lot of fumbling still some places have it better than others figured out, but there's um, all across the the U S and Canada to an extent as well. Um, I've seen, you know, that, start to it's like watching a foal start to walk you're like, <laughs> you're like okay you got it okay we're yeah. we're, we're doing this Like there's...
3: <laughs> one
1: foot in front of the other <laughs>
0: exactly there's no way to go by up from here yeah. like it's like um,
1: guthrie said about riding bikes it's yeah like just one foot in front of the other <laughs> just keep going
0: exactly so and we're, we're all on this horse together like yeah. there isn't <laughs> any one um like institution or thing and I know there's often a lot of finger pointing of like the Forest Service is blah 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 the BLM is doing this or that and that tribe over there is being whatever (laughs) like and in the end we're all figuring it out at the same time and everyone has their different interpretation of how it's supposed to go so it's One thing I would like to say is make sure that we have patience for each other in this time of figuring out whether you agree with the other person or not, especially if you do not agree with the other side or with another agency or institution, being patient and just like working through it together and know that we're really literally all on the same side, Right. that this exists.
2: We'll start with that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, yes. <laughs> all all the yeses
1: <laughs> a lot of nods in agreement yeah yeah
0: that's my my soapbox <laughs> yeah
1: well uh I didn't intend on going much longer, but there's nobody else in the studio. Should so <laughs> we like it's...
3: try
2: this green screen thing out? Like, do we want? I have no idea how to okay, turn the cameras maybe on. not. We could try. Um, I, I don't it would know. just
1: involve a lot of pressing buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Learn the
2: hard way. Don't always press whole
1: yeah. the button.
0: <laughs> there's a lot of buttons in yeah. this place. That's yeah, the... yeah. Maybe not
1: true. I guess we could like kind of spell out for the listeners, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. kind of what's going on with. The new go dig a hole. Oh yeah. Um because okay. I, I think before it was kind of chatter for us. Um so on the last episode of the <laughs> Go Dig a Hole podcast, <laughs> we had uh the the four of us. Uh Tia's not here today. Come um on,
2: Tia.
3: <laughs> Slacker. So, She's actually not feeling well yeah. either. So yeah. it's
1: all right. I'm still getting over a cold too. Oh. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) Okay. Anyway,
3: as Katie scoots over.
1: Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, on the last episode, we said goodbye to the Airstream studio. Yeah. And um, we, at that time, we had no idea what awaited us. Um, Mm -hmm. And we had this nice, cozy studio where the vibe was very relaxed. And it was just four friends that would sit in a trailer and pound beers and talk about what we were thinking about <laughs> and uh this is a very different vibe and yes. i was nervous about it going into it but now i'm very excited yeah and um so we're sitting in the x-ray fm radio studio and i guess this is like the, the podcast what do they call it yeah the podcast studio yeah, um but pod. it's also set up for video recording like
2: full green screen yeah there's like what three cameras
3: yeah three cameras on
1: gimbals around us that are all remote controlled um and i think they're set up this i might have misheard this and maybe my imagination is making this up but they should be pointed at speakers and it'll switch like camera a b and c oh depending on who's talking
0: that makes sense and, oh, is that how, like, they do it in movies
1: too? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there you go. So it's a super cool setup with so much uh, opportunity. But the, the one of the things that we talked about on the last episode was how in the trailer we had really bad cell connection and no Wi-Fi. And so <laughs> it yeah. made it really difficult. And also the technology we were working with, like, it was awesome to be able to just sit down, plug and play. Yeah. Let's go. We're going to have a conversation. It sounds good. Um, but it was too hard to plug in a phone. It was too hard to like Skype people in. So it was basically like
0: low tech constraining. (laughs) Like we're (laughs) literally in this tin can. (laughs) Like,
1: (laughs) yeah, it was great. Like I loved it for the, you know, two, two and a half years that we were doing it. Yeah, it was great. And now we have so many opportunities. So like, you
3: Mm -hmm. know, we've,
1: we've got the green screen. We could do some, some video segments. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned er earlier as we started talking about, um, bringing in sign language interpreters or at least having captioned videos for, uh, you know, hearing impaired people. Um, and then we can also have people call in and Skype in. So it just brings in like a whole world of possibilities for like a live discussion was Mm -hmm. one of your ideas, Katie. Um, you know, fake, I think
0: a fake weather report. Yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> And here's your weather report for yeah, the field. Um, submit if you're your in Washington,
0: yeah, it's your...
1: snowing. Exactly. Right. <laughs>
0: Surprise. Well, and some of it is, is everyone has a um, horrible weather field story. True. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I know I have at least two that I can think of off mm-hmm. the top of my head right now that I'm like, whew. Yeah. Yeah. There's more coming up in my head. But anyway, so (laughs) I think it would be really fun having flashbacks
1: <laughs> yeah. i'm just thinking of like the uh the safety moments that we have oh, it's uh, like yeah. at our company we promote a, a culture of safety and then it's like you know you, you go on about the thing and it's like yes safety is important but it's just so funny to think about like <laughs> the safety moment and then like all of the unsafe things that happen in the field like yeah i was in like sub-zero i was i was in a blizzard surveying a like a, a ridge line in west virginia coughing up blood in like sub-zero oh, temperatures <laughs>
3: That's horrible.
1: Yeah. And I was just like, I need to leave this place before I die.
3: Yeah.
0: That's when your lungs are starting to freeze. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Um, Anyway. So, so my idea is to take snippets. So, so two things have art. any of you guys in the Facebook group, um, hotel art for the archeologist soul.
3: No, <gasps>
2: no, but I've always wanted to, like,
0: yeah. So it's like, I'm not the only one. No, yeah, pictures of random art in hotel rooms oh. or hotels, and archaeologists will j- just post stuff from their um, rooms that they're staying in or whatever. And they're hilarious, they're really fun. Uh-huh. But to do something with that sort of feel, but with like video, yeah. so say you have, uh, you're in the field and you take a, I don't know, 10. Our 20 second clip of uh, the field conditions you're in and, you know, what's going on. And we could present it like a weather report or something like, you know, on this day Mm -hmm. in such and such part of whatever part of the world, like, I just think it would be fun because it would give each other and obviously to you would have to get clearance from like your field supervisors and stuff, make sure you're not showing any identifying locale information and stuff like that. Um so I do definitely want to clarify like
1: (laughs) don't get in trouble. (laughs) Don't get in
3: trouble. Know your limit. Be ethical.
1: Don't show human remains. Don't show sacred places. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah, all the things. Um but I think that would be a really fun way of exploring the US Mm -hmm. and archaeology across the US, what we're all up to and I think every field archaeologist or former field archaeologist would get a kick yeah. out of seeing that kind of stuff again. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> you know, there's so many, like, memories I have. I'm like, I wish I could, like, take that out of my brain and yeah. Yeah. pop that up. But um, so if anyone has something like that or would like to create that, I think that would be a lot of fun. We could we yeah. can play with those quite a bit.
1: There's, so. Speaking of those ideas, it just makes me think of, all of the opportunities that we have now to really create kind of like a, a virtualized community of archeologists. Yeah. um, With, with all that, like we've got a Slack channel for go dig a hole. It, it, and we've got a Patreon. And so like, there's a whole lot of different ways to engage and and ways to kind of like keep things going. Mm -hmm. You know what I really miss about the airstream is like, There's nothing for my eyes to wander to. There's no tacky art on the walls in here.
2: (laughs) We could start bringing our own and just like put
1: it up (laughs) while we're here. Just tape it up there.
2: Take it down. Random unicorn. Uh, Important question. I take it no beverages?
1: Beverages are allowed. (gasps) We just can't spill them on the very expensive electronic stuff. He said no beverages on the other side. um, But just, you know,
2: like, don't be a maniac. Okay. Oh, I was going to spell it on there, but now you told me not to. I'm so just throwing the it. beer. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Opa>. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. Just wanted to make sure that we could still have.
1: Yeah. So if any breweries would like to sponsor yeah. the Go Dig a Whole <laughs> podcast in the form of beverages,
2: yeah. yeah. we'd be happy to taste your beer.
1: Yeah. We That's, could we take...
2: could totally archaeologist beer tasting. It could take
1: yeah. a few moments out of the day to. You know, just say like what we're drinking on and who gave it to us and Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that sounds fabulous. The like Sprocket
1: Podcast does that. They get oh. they they have uh I don't know what the what the details of their relationship with beermongers is, but uh beermongers oh, over on Division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. makes a little more sense now. Yeah. Okay. They give a little shout out to beermongers, uh and they describe what they're drinking during each uh episode and like That's fun. uh Aaron Aaron does not Drink so he always has a kombucha or like a kefir or something like that.
2: And there's nice. kombucha places here, right? And yeah. Kind of like local. Oh so yeah, there's lots of them. Yeah. That's a lot of fun.
3: Yeah.
0: I know. It's all these ideas. It's great. I'm excited. <laughs> well, I'm
2: already thinking which beer do I have?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and and it would also create really good <laughs> opportunities to because you know there's nothing like a beer to lure an archaeologist.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like flies to.
3: Yeah. beer. All right. yeah. I'm also
1: a sucker for like good graphic design. Uh, so like we, we met up at Wayfinder a week ago. Oh yeah. and so Wayfinder is owned by uh, I might have some of the details here wrong. so if, if anybody knows better than me, feel free to correct me. Um, th- some of the people who are involved with the metal record album Relapse um, own Wayfinder. Oh. And so, a lot of those metal bands that are on the Relapse label do, like, these collaborations with Wayfinder. And so, they have, like, a beer for, like, Red Fang or... Oh,
0: that makes all the
2: sense. Yeah. I was like, these are cool names. <laughs> yeah. As, is this the place with... Does it have a plane on the inside? No. Oh, okay. No. This Never mind. Is, Where
0: this place? place is on, like, um, second... second. In, Southeast Second okay. near Water
2: Street. Okay. So I was getting my places mixed up because yeah. I thought you were going to, and I can't remember the name of it anymore. But, but like their another. artwork
1: is very kind of like occult looking. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like very, I don't It was Old like everything woodcut was woodcut stuff. Yeah. Like woodcuts, like 16th century sacred geometries and stuff like that. It mm-hmm. was really cool looking stuff. um Yeah. It but, was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. We were
0: sitting below like three of them <clears throat> and doing this like what is that what is it yeah because it did look like a lot of them were from old woodcuts and from like medieval to the 16th century yeah. so it was like segments of that and I have a tattoo that on my back that is a piece of an old woodcut so i'm like familiar with a lot of them i'm like oh, oh cool. i think that's the thing <laughs> or the you know that one's a this type of calendar yeah. or whatever so it's i don't know it get a bunch of people who can nerd out on history or artifacts and we're like oh what's what is it? <laughs> uh, but yeah. 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 There's some, there's some, and there's so many breweries in town. It would be nice to be able to, to highlight and taste more than the go-to's at this point that I tend to <laughs> default to anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: There's so many that I end up going to the ones that are just convenient to get to. Yeah. Whether or not they're my favorite ones to drink at. Cause it's like...
0: You're here. So many. I have a little hole in the wall <laughs> bar that is a half a block from my house. <laughs> I frequent and they have like five things on tap. So <laughs> I have, we, we have one go to, and that seems to have, you know, done, done pretty well. Yeah. Um, and it's also one of my favorite breweries out in Astoria. So that's, it's nice to. Which um, brewery? Um, so my i've been trying to back it up in my brain um so it is fort george yeah oh Oh, i love
1: them yeah
0: city of dreams is the one beer that we're like yeah i can that is a a solid go-to for me yeah um i've i mean enjoying the hazies lately not all of them but yeah yeah as goes with everything including some of the ipas you're like no (laughs) <laughs> i'm to say
2: no
3: to that. Yeah.
2: yeah ever since we got back from our um ireland trip both my boyfriend and i are like no way with IPAs yeah. for we just can't <laughs> handle it like you have one you're like I'm good. I'm going to wake up hungover tomorrow now. Cause
3: yeah. Just...
1: You would like Wayfinder then. Yeah, I do. Uh, like... It's very like malt forward beers. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like Doppelbox. Okay. Lagers, Pilsners,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, stuff like That's that. Gonna... That was kind of what, what drew me. Well, my friend Quinn is uh, the brewmaster there. Oh, and, nice. Um, uh, You know, I, I learned about them because he, he, you know, started working there. And I was like, wait a minute. You have, you have multi beers.
3: This is, this cool sex. it's
1: not all ipas
3: yeah they yeah. do
1: they do have a good ipa uh, it's but. good
2: to have the one but when you're like your whole board uh. are just variations of oh, an this. ipa yeah it's like yeah sad. i'm good it's funny that that's what sets
1: a brewery in portland apart is that they don't make ipas
2: well, or, or yeah, they yeah. make more than just ipa yeah. Yeah. yeah or like yep. it used to be like, yeah. yeah yeah we're a big fan of ancestry right now Ooh. I love
1: them, yeah. They're great they're good too.
0: Yeah.
2: And what's what's one of the it sounds familiar, but I'm trying to think of the It has kind that of I've like had, the A that yeah. almost it looks like, like a an Masonic anchor. uh oh, okay. yeah, compass yeah. with the anchor under. Yeah. 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 They're they're out of Tualatin, but they have um a place on Hawthorne. Nice. And then I think a place in Selwood. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to
0: say I've had something of theirs recently, yeah. but I can't remember what it was.
2: They're Irish red. I don't know. It's like, I don't even look at the menu anymore. I'm like, I will have your Irish red. Thank you. <laughs> they're like, this is the third time you've been here today.
3: I know. Yeah. Just
1: bear with me. Yeah. Breakside is my neighborhood brewery. It's like two blocks from my house.
3: Nice.
1: Uh, and it's one of those things. It's like, I, I go to them out of convenience, but also like, I think they're legit one of my favorites yeah, uh, in sure. the city. Uh, I also like them because they do more than just IPA. Like they have some. They have some really good hazies and some good, like just standard, Mm. this is definitely an IPA kind of IPA. Yeah. Um, But they, they have like good kind of malty beers too. Nice. Yeah. And the dogs love going to their (laughs) outdoor patio. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. I tend to gravitate to places I can take the dogs to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you been to Labrador Brewing? Uh,
1: I haven't since I got Artie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I wanted to go to a um a debate watch party. Uh, was that last night? God, time is a blur. Um, yeah, it was last night. Um, but I I thought I mistakenly thought that they allowed dogs inside the brewery.
3: Oh. Um,
1: and it's just at the patio, so.
3: Huh.
1: And it was like twenty eight degrees and yeah, no. raining, and I was like, yeah, it's not going to work. Not only. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought it was too. <laughs> well. Yeah, the wayside actually is one of the ones I most closely associate with archaeologists because I've only been there with archaeologists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair. Which is funny to me. I'm like, yeah. that's strange. To, But, you know, any of the coastal breweries are about the same for as much work that I've done on the coast. We always seek out the brewery because yeah. they're such small towns. It's kind of like, here's a good place to hang out, usually has games.
3: Yeah.
1: You know. A diversity of food. It, yes, yeah. exactly.
2: Sometimes.
1: sometimes like yeah. <laughs> some food. pub food
2: yeah or like depending on the state like if you're not in Oregon mm-hmm. I know some places you think they would have food but they're not required so you go and it's oh, like, yeah. they just yeah. have pretzels or you're, you're like,
0: like and I'm hungry damn it. <laughs> it's always leave. dangerous to have beer without food yeah like it can especially if you're having something other than a pilsner like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a lager like you're you're hurting soon, yeah. one or two in, and you're like, "Oh, buddy." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, shout out to Portland and otherwise breweries. <laughs> I guess now that we're like name dropping a bunch of yeah. them, our favorites, hit us
1: up on social media. Um, I'm I, already following. I you. got Come the on. email working again.
3: <laughs> Yay!
1: Yeah. Cool. Email works again. Cool. Uh, as as well as the blog. Cool. Uh, so. Like, christopher at go dig a hole i can get all of you set up with go dig a hole emails too we could have like podcast at go dig a hole
3: yeah that cool. sounds good because for, Sound like uh, forward it a... to everybody
2: <laughs> sure
1: that way yeah. one of us will answer
0: or something yeah yeah i'm continually logged into the the one email for women in archaeology yeah. we all have that so it's i'm like a long list of emails through yeah. gmail that i'm like <laughs> logged into <laughs> Um yeah, that's a not a bad idea.
1: Yeah. Shout out breweries. Yep. And that's shout it. us out. Yep. With beer. Exactly. I'm at <laughs> <laughs> I'm Yeah. I'll I'll start drinking again soon. I'm I'm on a dry you? January.
3: Nice.
1: Probably extend it a little bit. Yeah. I need to give my body a break.
0: It's a good idea. Your <laughs> liver will thank you. Yeah. And your tolerance will also be lower. So you'll, your pocketbook will thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're like, one, I'm
2: good. <laughs> <laughs> cheap date. I'm a cheap date. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, shout out other podcasts. Women in Archaeology, of course. Yes. Uh, I, I feel like Women in Archaeology and Go to Go Whole are, are kind of like the, the, uh, the comrades uh you know, yeah because you're in it but uh <laughs> you know we we kind of like went through the same trajectory of, of yeah. you know we were on a network and then we went independent and then you know we're, we're kind of like
3: mm-hmm.
1: approaching the same kind of um men, like mindsets about archaeology yeah uh, but with different perspectives yes um
0: and then you have um archeo- archaeological fantasies yes Archie fantasies, and there's a like a because they also have a blog and now sub blog that focuses on paranormal archaeology. So, nice. things that seem so familiar to the Halloween episode conversations <laughs> that we have. I'm like, yeah, go, yeah. Sarah. So, um, that's been kind of fun to watch. And yeah. I know she's got a lot of projects coming out of different inspirational angles too yeah. so that's that's another one archie
1: fantasy is very very busy hard at work uh yes and they make some great stuff um they're like the myth busters of archaeology oh, yeah that's cool um, and, and then it, shout out the transect uh our friends from the frozen north uh, oh
3: yes yes yeah
1: they're they're kind of a, a crm podcast from canada in bc Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're mostly focused on BC archaeology, but a a lot of it I found as uh, an archaeologist from the States is relevant um, and kind of things that I think as as you mentioned earlier, Kirsten, as tribes get more and more active in the process of archaeological review, I think that we'll have to consider the same kind of things, too. So it's good for us to learn. Yeah, yeah. and they're also just really funny. Um, so it's just fun to listen to. Um, and then also shout out the Ark and Anth podcast uh, oh, yeah, yeah. by Dr. Michael Rivera. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, a, they're a big supporter of us too. Uh, and they have a great podcast. Um, what?
0: Sprocket.
1: Sprocket podcast. Yeah. Uh, they're not archaeologists. <laughs>
3: no. They're All cyclists
1: right. here in Portland. Uh, great people. Um, they've they've We've, helped out they've helped us out you know kind of in the in the podcast world helping us you know land on our feet at the Airstream and land on our feet here yeah um, and, and cross just,
0: poll- pollinated yeah been <laughs> guested and guested that's been, been really guests. fun yeah kind of
1: stepping out of the archaeology bubble and cycling and the uh, pedal palooza thing podcast of palooza was so fun yeah it Was just riding yeah. our bikes around and that you sounds know,
2: like so, so much fun yeah it was actually my first pedal palooza ever. Nice. Like, so that was a good one to get the toes wet. Yeah. No, I want to nice. do it next year.
1: We'll have to work with them this and, year. and make it happen again. Yeah. Or this year. <laughs> this year. 2020.
2: Oh, so, sorry, guys.
1: Six months away. Five months yeah. away. No. Oh.
0: Got to get training.
1: Yeah. Pump up those tires.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> find my bike. Yeah. <laughs> Let
3: you I gotta borrow say- one of mine. <laughs>
1: One of my favorite podcasts, and I support them on uh, on Patreon, is the Trillbilly Workers' Party. It's uh, three people from eastern Kentucky, uh-huh. and they share uh, leftist perspectives, but they're rural leftist perspectives. And so it's one of those things that I think is... Um, kind of left out of like the the discourse of kind of left-leaning politics and left-leaning culture is like it tends to be kind of like new urbanist focused Mm. yeah um and uh the trillbillies are uh you know talking about these issues that that kind of like uh i think would would make other leftists like new urbanist leftists kind of bristle um Mm. you know engaging with coal miners and kind of like saying No, actually, there are aspects of like the Green New Deal, for example, that um, will not benefit Appalachia Mm. or, you know, other places in the country where extractive economies have just absolutely gutted communities. Um, So it's like interesting things to think about Mm. and kind of apply nationally. Um, uh, Very informative, but also really funny. Like I end up just like cackling at some of the episodes i
0: have heard of heard of them i haven't listened to them and actually now that you kind of put out some of the topics and stuff i think of the people in this world archaeologists would really kind of understand a lot of that because having a foot both in regulation and being in those communities for so much of our work Mm -hmm. and face to face with what people are going through it's like I like to to explain to people sometimes like with archaeology, I feel like I have a better handle on infrastructure and what it takes to make our society run than most people living in a city or even an urban area really yeah. get. Like, what was it? Um, so I'm hosting an exchange student right now through uh, for my daughter's high school and my partner, Nate, he was like, you know, trying to think of all the the ways that he's like, let's let's, you know, go all socialist and like trying to show her like the V for Vendetta, like oh. <laughs> um, comic book and uh, like Animal Farm and stuff like that. Anyway, so in this tangent that he went off on, he's like, we should take her to like the, the um, transfer station and um the um processing plant for water processing and stuff and not it's like you crack me up just because one of two things it's a tour stop for you and like, <laughs> like, yes. but some of it is like it's being able to use it as a teaching moment and I know like I've taken my daughter to both things because we'll do like some heavy recycling things or taking stuff to the dump when we need to to do that Um, but just seeing how that works the reality of it and all archaeologists know like the shit that gets left out in the middle of the woods the creepy ass stuff that you find out there like
3: foil balloons (laughs)
0: fucking foil balloons man (laughs) Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I digress
1: Ban balloons Yes I'm sorry
2: Yeah we're doing all these like Ban bags balloons. Why don't we <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Just move yeah. on to balloons
3: Yeah
0: Exactly Balloons are horrible Don't do balloons And particularly the <laughs> little The latex ones decompose But it's the mylar ones which are evil Yeah Those don't <clears> go away <throat> mm-hmm. And working in a forest You find them <laughs> Every day. People do not take them out to the forest. They just end up there. Yeah. Um but I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Exchange <laughs> oh yes, yes. And yeah.
1: infrastructure. Infrastructure. Yeah. And I
0: think um hearing other people's perspectives that live in those um communities that aren't hard right I think is a really cool p- perspective to have for archaeologists working in these communities and being sort of on a touch-and-go basis with some of it and I think a lot of people have sort of a an idea of what the rural communities are like and don't really get too involved or t- too much conversation with the locals when you are living there but yeah. um, I think <clears throat> having an understanding of both sides of the issues i say both sides knowing that there's not just two but what we would possibly consider red and blue the Mm -hmm. you know left leaning um in a rural area would look like and i think that's an important concept to really i think everyone should have that
3: but yeah yeah cool yeah
0: anything else you want to throw in I feel so lame. Why? <laughs> Why? I
2: <don't> know. <laughs> I'm like I don't listen. I don't have any podcasts to add or recommend because you said them all. <laughs> First of all, so yeah, that's it. Do you have any other media
0: that you would like to? I don't know any shows or things.
2: Oh, oh, well, don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not really right now. Kind of actually working on that thesis. Good. Trying to kind of tone down.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Less distractions. Yeah, Yeah. the Netflix binging, you know, finish The Mandalorian. So kind of Disney Plus is obsolete right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, cancel your subscriptions while you're
0: working on your thesis. That way, there's no temptation and you're not wasting your money for that month. Yeah, there's kind of a second
2: person that lives in the house. That <laughs> I have to, it's not all about me. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I have to think about the cat, you know, the cat. The cat needs entertainment yeah. too. <laughs> there, there is a cat channel. What? On I found it on her fire stick. <laughs> and I've tried putting it on and it's like ducks and stuff that fly and it's like calming
3: music. Yeah. She's wow. not interested. I pull up <laughs>
1: I pull up YouTube on my TV and whenever I leave the dogs at the house alone, I'll pull up they, they have like these YouTube channels for like they've got cat TV and dog TV. And it's like like you said, calming music, but it's like dog TV is kind of like this. Uh, like beautiful landscape Where it's kind of like Almost like a virtual walk For the dog
3: Ooh. And so it's
1: like so- huh. And, and the videos are, like, 15 hours long. Oh, Jesus. So it's, like, you can have it on all day. And the dogs are just kind of, like, going for a hike on the beach or whatever. And sometimes there's cows. And sometimes there's, like, squirrels and birds and stuff. And it's, like, calming music and nature sounds and stuff like that.
0: It sounds oh, dangerous. I, like I need that.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> just put it on. Just and... put,
0: like, a squirrel running across your screen. Yeah. Your TV is going to get knocked onto the floor. <laughs> the,
1: the, the The TV for cats is always, like, birds and squirrels and stuff. And I'm, yeah. like... Aren't there enough videos of, of like cats like attacking the TV and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, because seems dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. But you
2: know, the music is calming, so it would calm them so
3: yeah. they'll just sit
2: there and chirp at it. Yeah, that's not how that works. You know. Know. But yeah. yeah, we can hope.
0: I know my cats have a hard time not pouncing, trying to pounce through the window. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just looking at the squirrels outside or all the little yeah. birds because we have oh, the berries all over. The front yard and mm. all the little seed, like the winter birds. Yeah. Love it. So there's always like 40 birds, like tiny little brown birds all over the tree and all over the ground. And the cats are like,
2: oh, <laughs> what? Yeah. All perked up. Yeah. So anyway. but Yeah. Sorry. I don't really have much. It's so great to contribute to that.
1: Yeah. Well, good luck with your thesis. Yes. Yeah. Let
2: but me well. know if you need any I will probably I'm, hit you up and let me know if you want
0: to. Yeah, totally. I'm not, well, I should, I will be reassessing my writing situation soon, but, um, um, my lab work's still going through. So, but the lab work's going through. So that's a good, yeah. <laughs> a good start. It's progress. So, but yeah, until then, I'm also doing, re- helping with uh, edits on, um, One of the women in archaeology, her dissertation. So, oh man, yeah, tag teaming a little. I'm like, I am all of the writers. I want to look at all of the writing so that because it improves my writing and helps me too. But I also like helping friends.
2: Well, so I guess one one shout out is Bearlick. My thesis is brought to you by Bearlick Brewery, (laughs) 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 and I will give them a shout out when I do my presentation um
3: that's so funny yeah that's <laughs> awesome but yeah. they
2: have like great space they have plugins they have big oh, tables wow. and it's it makes you feel social but no one will like bother you yeah that's nice at the at bear like and their beer is actually pretty good it's really they, good yeah. yeah yeah the dad beer is actually like quite pleasant <laughs> yeah and you're like all right
1: I that's can one of my this. go-to summer beers dad beer yeah
3: it's good I don't think i that one. They
1: sell it in like a, a a white tall boy that just says in like black letters "dad beer." Huh.
2: Oh, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's fun. But we try to have. I say we. Everyone else is like done and graduated now, so I try to have <laughs> <laughs> a meeting, um, like at least once a week there, and just carve out two hours. Of just that's doing really it. cool. Yeah. Nice. So.
3: Yeah. Or let if me anyone know, wants to join. Let me know if
0: you, when, yeah, let me know when you do that. Cause yeah. I'd be totally down because that's a commitment that would help me.
2: So it, yeah. Stay yeah. On it makes that you horse. accountable. Yeah. You're like, I have to meet someone. They're going to be there. I can't just go, <clears throat> nah, not today. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. good to have a,
1: like, a routine too. Yeah. Like you can count on that being part of your schedule.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Cause in archaeology and, life (laughs) (laughs) things happen you have to be flexible
2: yes yeah exactly comes full circle
0: yeah (laughs) life like archaeology it
1: really does well that was a good one
0: yeah it was fun and it's nice to be recording in this new space for the first time so excited (laughs) wait no (laughs) (laughs) oh these don't fold in this i don't know how nope they don't it's okay Oh, oh, yeah, exactly. Perfect! Yeah! Oh, that makes me happy. And yeah, perfect, because I gotta get going.